I want to buy this and you want to sell that, this thing has a price. And let's not be embarrassed about that or ashamed about that. And actually, if you're going to make the transaction, at some point in time, you're going to talk about the price. So let's just get it out of the way early, transparently. Here's what it is. Sure, we can negotiate about that, but you know, you both know where you stand on that. And now we can talk about the art. Hi, I'm Pierre de Montesquieu, and this is Art Goes On, a podcast where people from the art world share the vision of our society and how they keep the art world running. This podcast is interactive. You can ask questions to upcoming guests through our Instagram account at AskArtGoesOn. Please follow us to be updated. Now, on to today's show. Today, I'm happy to welcome Paul Baker from Sydney. Paul is the CEO and founder of Art Money a global fintech that empowers people to buy art industry. Welcome, Paul, and thanks for coming to the show. Pleasure. So, Paul, how art is going for you? I think it's interesting times. Art is going, going well for us. It's, it's challenging times. It's exciting times. I, I, I embrace times of change. Um, this is a time of change and upheaval and Some people say, are you in the art business or the finance business? And I say, we're in the business of culture change. That, that's the business that we're in. And now is a time of change and the opportunity to make change for the better and accelerate change. I believe we're seeing 10 years worth of change in the art world compressed into one year. And people by necessity, the industry, galleries, collectors, but the industry by necessity is is needing to look at what has gone well and what they need to do differently and where we need to head. And uh, I think that's actually a good thing. Um, it's sad that, you know, this, this condition around the world is, is, you know, stopping art fairs and a whole lot of things. But I think if we take the long view, it's a time of change and exciting and good things come out of the toughest times, the most turbulent times. And this is an opportunity to reset our industry for the future. And that's, That's what, you know, how I feel about this time at the moment um, in general. I mean, there's specific business, you know, timing for us as well. But in general, I think this is, this is an opportunity to, to make change for the better. So 2020 was a year of opportunities for Art Money. Did you have more customers? Yeah, look, generally we've, you know, many months we've doubled our sales. So we, we are doing better than ever in this time and, and, To be honest, it was a little bit of a surprise to me and a pleasant surprise. But, you know, we, we looked at the reasons why we're doing better and, and the reasons are that collectors still want to support artists and buy art perhaps more than ever, particularly when people are doing it tough. So collectors still want to buy. Many of them are still doing very well in terms of, you know, their jobs and their personal situation. Um, many people are more aware of their home environment. Everyone's Zooming from home and, you know, thinking about their personal and home environment. Many people are saving money because they're not, they're not spending money on travel and, and restaurants and going out. So they actually have more disposable income than in these times. Um, so there's a number of reasons there why collectors and buyers are actually, you know, they're, they're, there's, there's deals to be done. You know, the sellers, are sellers, galleries, auction houses, there's deals to be made and, and collectors are, you know, it's a more of a buyer's market. So there's many reasons why collectors are actually a, in a very strong position now and, and keen to buy art and support artists more than ever. On the supply side, for us on the, with the galleries, you know, the galleries are having to 
look at their business model and you know we, we provide a win-win solution it's a win for the seller the gallery and it's a win for the artist and it's a win for the collector and they're looking at our model and going hey this is maybe this is something i need to look at more closely to transform my business so on the seller side we're being embraced more on the client side there's more more reason incentive and people as i say are still buying art i believe as much as ever i'm not talking about the million dollar plus levels that you know the one percent that everyone reads about in the in in art writing but you know at auctions uh, i think you know that's a different market and they're doing it tough but i think it's very patchy anyone in e-commerce is doing amazingly well um so it's it's very patchy and differentiated across the board but i think many people are doing very well many people are doing it really tough um and it's about i mean you know jerry saltz quoted darwin recently saying survival was not actually about the fittest it wasn't survival of the fittest but um survival went to those best able to adapt to change you know that was actually the darwinian theory that those best able to adapt to change were the ones that survived and thrived and and i see think we're seeing that in the art world and as I say, a trend that was happening anyway across a decade is being compressed into, say, a year with this tough economic and social environment. So indeed, you seem to be in the right place at the right time. But your company is four or five years old. Five years ago, yes. So at that time, what was the idea? Because you were entering a sphere that is not known for being open to change or even very digitized. I like the understatement there. <laughs> An industry does not open to change or digitization. Uh, very true. So, look, essentially, I felt that it was just too hard to buy and sell art. And I, I suppose my background is actually not an art background. I kind of sort of publishing and events background, and I had a professional journey with my business into into contemporary art and the art world through publishing and and. Um, and then a personal journey into into the art world, and I suppose as an as an outsider, I think that's given me some perspective. And um, you know, nobody believes I'm an outsider now, but uh, you know, back at that point, I was. And um, I suppose I saw on both sides we had we had artists that have a creative and a commercial imperative to put food on the table. You know, I, I think it's you know right for artists to make a career and a profession out of being an artist, and and to do that, you have to sell work. Um, we have galleries that are mostly small business owners in it for the passion. So on that side, we have a creative and a commercial imperative to sell work. On the client side, we have new collectors, emerging collectors, collectors that want to engage more or more deeply or further. Uh, they want to engage with art. They want to buy art. And both sides want the same thing. But there's so much friction in the marketplace. It's just too hard. And... Whether that's there's a whole lot of reasons for that. There's cultural nuances, cultural baggage from, you know, times past where you had to be a, a collector and a and a connoisseur and wealthy to buy art, and that was the exclusive domain. And and so there's a lot of cultural baggage there. It's different in each country, of course. But um, so there's historical reasons for this to exist in the art world, but they don't need to exist today. They shouldn't exist today. And I suppose. I felt that I could make a change and a difference in this art world by just making the marketplace work more easily, more smoothly. And the way we tried to, we're solving that problem is by bringing finance to this market. And really this industry is, is the only industry I can think of that doesn't have 
finance as, as, as part of, of its offering. And, you know, we're talking about high value discretionary purchases. In one way, all we're doing is being, bringing best practice from other industries to the art world. But we're doing it in an art world friendly way. We're doing it in a supportive way with a win-win business model. Um, we're not a finance company that's coming to the art world and going, oh, this is a big industry. We can, we can make a dollar here. We can, get, we can get a cut of this. We can take something out of it. I'm looking to add it and grow it and make it a better place for artists and a better place for buyers who become collectors, you know, bring on the emerging collectors that are out there. And, you know, the dynamics are that people, people want to engage, people want to buy, they want to buy more, more often and go further. And, and, and we allow this, you know, our, our business, our product allows people to go further and we're an enabler for art and art buying. And, and the buying side of it is important because, um, you know, artists can get hung in museums and they can, you know, win prizes, which are one-off things, but, you know, to a great degree, essentially, to make be professional about your art, you have to sell it. And that's not a dirty word. It's, you know, other creatives in other professions make an income and are living off their work. And there's artists have that right as well. And so really what we're trying to do is, is create, empower the marketplace to more easily sell and more easily buy. And the tool that we use that is a modern fintech tool. It's finance that is a win-win model. And so that's what we're doing. So I suppose I saw, I saw this industry and I uh, was at a stage in life where I had a business for 25 years and thought, well, maybe I can do something about this. Maybe I can contribute. Maybe I can make a difference here. And I had one of those, if not now, when, if not me, who kind of moments. And, um, you know, uh, that allied with the, the opportunity to change an industry on a global scale doesn't come across your desk very often. And so that was a challenge and an opportunity that I wanted to, to chase down. And so here, five years later, here's where we are. And congrats to you. Talking about dirty words and cultural differences, in France, for instance, money is a bit taboo. And the art world has a reputation of lack of transparency regarding money. So how did you come up with the name Art Money? And how did you address that matter? Well, this, this is going back to our business and our business, we're in the business of culture change. So what our brand is, our, we're called Art Money for a reason because this is what we do. It's simple and it's transparent. It's about the art. Money is what facilitates it. It's kind of meant to be a little bit friendly, almost like monopoly money, you know, not scary, but it says what it is on the box. And our brand is about trust and transparency. And so we, we are just unashamedly saying, here's what we are doing. This is what we're about. This is how we do it. And one of the things I hate in the art world is the lack of transparency. And I think, again, it's not good practice. There's, there's some cultural historical baggage that comes with that and why that is the case in the art world, but that's not relevant today. And I think it probably suits one or 2% of, of the industry who perpetuate that practice, but it's only a matter of time. And again, back to this Darwinian and time of culture change and, Uh, you know, this is, people buy things. They don't just buy art. People buy things in many ways and in many times. And, and having transparency about price, you know, dealers will say, oh, we don't want to talk about price. You know, we don't want to talk about, we want to talk about the art. And the collectors will say, well, actually, you know, this is the elephant in the room. I, I, I just want to get that out of the way. I want to know is, is you know, collectors, buyers don't want to be in a position where they're embarrassed or they feel awkward. And, 
if you don't know if something's, you know, 20,000 or 50,000 or 100,000, then there's always that you can't have a conversation about the art without hanging over your head, right? So let's, my view is let's put on the table, get it out of the way. Yes, I know I'm in the ballpark for this. Then you can talk about the art. So I think this is time, time cures a lot of things and time will change this culture, but it's very slow. Um, now it's being accelerated. But I think, you know, the irony is that in terms of talking about price and financing as well, you know, the people at the very highest levels, probably, you know, the, the $10 million plus talk about it the most, you know, that's the irony. So the, the, so I think in a modern contemporary society, this is just, it's not a taboo thing. It shouldn't be a taboo thing. It should just be something that is normalized. And, you know, yes, we're normalizing this. We're normalizing the fact that actually this is this thing. If I want to buy this and you want to sell that, this thing has a price. And let's not be embarrassed about that or ashamed about that. And actually, if you're going to make the transaction, at some point in time, you've got to talk about the price. So let's just get it out of the way early, transparently. No one's trying to do funny business or pull the wool over someone's eyes. We're just honestly and transparently, here's what it is. Sure, we can negotiate about that, but you know, you both know where you stand on that. And now we can talk about the art. That So to me, it's just about bringing permission and normalizing this conversation where it's not normal in the art world but i mean if you look at what's happening with the online viewing rooms now a year ago like one in a hundred had prices on and guess what now now gagosian and zwerner and so on have put prices on and all the art fairs have put prices on and oh within the space of a year it's actually completely normal now it, it's it can happen that fast but it often needs a, a crisis or some pressure kind of test to make that change but it's it's cultural change and it will happen in the art world. It's just, it's just very, can be very slow. So yeah, the, the price example is a good example of the you know, resistance to change in the art world for no good reason, no reason really apart from tradition and history, cultural baggage, I call it. I do find the cultural differences one of the most fascinating things about this business. Um, so for example, in the US, when we went to the US, even between the East Coast and West Coast US, New York and San Francisco. So yeah, our, our business model is pay over time, no interest. So you know, a, a work that's $50,000, someone would, instead of paying $50,000 up front, you would pay $5,000 a month over 10 months. You, you take the work home. We pay the gallery straight away. The gallery provides a 10% commission for that to go around, but we pay them straight away. We convert the sale, increase price points. So there's reasons why the gallery is happy to, with that 10% commission. The artist gets paid straight away. Gallery gets paid. We take the risk on the client. Client takes the work home. So it's a win-win. Win for the client. They're paying over time without any extra fee. Win for the gallery. They get paid. So win-win. When we, and that's in an Australian context where we launched, that kind of model, business model is quite well understood. When we went to the US, there was another level of explanation we had to do because the New Yorkers, who are a suspicious lot, <laughs> the, you know, very cynical and, and hard-bitten, the New Yorkers were like, no interest? What's the catch? You're trying to rip off my data? You know, like, you know, where's the catch? They're looking for someone to, to sort of gouge them. Uh, and we go, well, it's no interest because the, the gallery's paying and they're happy to do that because of this. And we pay them straight. Oh, win-win-win. Oh, I see. Amazing. That's great. Fantastic. But their first reaction was, hang on, what's the catch? Too good to be true. What's the catch? That's the New Yorkers. We go to an art fair in San Francisco and the West Coasters in San Francisco are like, no interest? Amazing. How does that work? <laughs> so they're both asking the same question. How does it work? Silicon Valley type sort of knew, knew that there was a better model out there somewhere. They didn't understand it. They wanted to know. 
but they were like, hey, someone's worked out a better way to do it. Amazing. New Yorkers are like totally suspicious who's ripping off who here. Oh, that's not the case. Amazing. So, for example, obviously, we want to come to Europe very soon. Um, we plan to launch in the UK in 2021 next year. Germany is an interesting case because in Germany, there's many people that, you know, they don't do credit cards so much. They do, you know, they like to pay up front for things. And in Germany, the German word for, for debt is the same word as guilt. I don't recall the word, but the guilt and debt is the same. And this goes back, I understand, to pre-depression times, the 20s, and it's just very much a, a cultural heritage. Um, so when we're in Germany, that will be a really interesting cultural difference in how we talk about this, how we present our model, et cetera, there. I mean, you know, we feel this makes people responsible. You know, one of the reasons collectors like using art money is because they're able to feel less self-indulgent, less extravagant, more rational, but very responsible. They want to buy the artwork, you know, they deeply want to make that, pull the trigger and get to yes, and this allows them to do that in a very responsible way. So that is very pro-German, you know, but on the other hand, they you know, the debt thing. So is this debt or is it just deferring a payment? So anyway, the cultural nuances around the world of the art world combined with the finance world are really quite fascinating, I think. So who are your clients? The galleries, the buyers? You work directly with artists? You manage any database too? Well, our clients are both. Our clients are, are the buyers, the collectors. That's who we call our clients. And our partners, if you like, are the galleries. And yes, we do have, we are trialing some artists direct now that are on the website. Uh, we will grow that more in the future. And then we're also talking to platforms, you know, unrepresented artist platforms, you know, like Saatchi Art and so on. And um, also, also some auction houses, you know, auction houses of basically wanting to partner with us and, and offer this in some form. So we're working on a di some different product mixes, but essentially, you know, our vision for this is that anyone selling art, anyone anywhere in the world selling art, art money option is, is available and any buyer buying art from anywhere in the world, the art money option is available. So effectively, simplest way to think about it is instead of paying up front, pay over time. Do you still encounter obstacles with potential clients or partners despite the win-win deal? There's no obstacle for the sellers. Um, I mean, our due diligence is on the client because we take the risk on the client, you know, because we pay the gallery or we pay the seller straight away. So they don't carry any risk. So a, a, a partner for us, you know, a gallery partnering with us, it's no risk. They don't pay anything unless they make a sale and we pay them and we take the full risk on the client. So our due diligence, our, our risk is on the client side. So this is where the fintech part of it comes in. So the fintech, you can, you can be in a gallery or at home or an art fair and you can put your details in your phone and press apply. It takes about three minutes and then about 80% of people are approved on the algorithm. So in that time, we do, a, we, we do an API connection with the credit bureau and we do a KYC identification check. We do a credit, pull your credit score. We've got an algorithm around income assets, credit score, the amount you want to purchase, et cetera. So for you know, 80% of people, that that's just happens instantly. Um, and that's the first time once you're approved. And that's our, that's our risk, that's our underwriting, that's our fintech thing. You, know, you couldn't have done that 10 years ago, but we can do that today. And then you basically have your art, your art credit. You're ready to go. You can buy from anyone, anywhere in the world. And so the fact that you can literally walk in, 
apply to Art Money, get approved, make a purchase, walk out within probably about eight minutes, start to finish. That's that's kind of the, the fintech element of that. And then the, you, you've got approved once and then the next time you do that, people go, fantastic. This is so easy. It's amazing. Now when I buy my next work, I, I'm going to I'm gonna Art Money that as well. And so it becomes the preferred way of buying because it's just so easy. I'm just going to Art Money at all my purchases, you know. And, um, and it's, so it's like a budget for art. People put aside a budget for art and then this is, a, again, a way for them to manage it responsibly. What is the next step for Art Money beyond the international expansion? What we have at the moment is a very simple program where clients, buyers can buy from partners and pay over time, no interest, fund the, funded by the, the gallery commission to Art Money. Ultimately, like you look three years ahead, uh, ultimately we, we want to be the way people buy art around the world, wherever you're buying from, whether you're buying from a gallery, an auction house, a platform, an artist, we want to be the way art money to be the easiest way to do that, whether you pay over time or not. So if you want to think of it as you know, the Apple Pay for Art, it's, it's just wherever you are in the world, whoever you're buying from, it's just the easiest, fastest way to buy that work. And for the seller, they know that they're going to get paid very quickly, maybe in two days from art money. So they can confidently do that transaction. So it's, it's basically empowering art collectors around the world to buy whatever and whenever, whatever channel with art money. So between today and that vision, there's <laughs> a thousand steps. <laughs> Going back just a second to what you were saying at the beginning, You mentioned that you were working remotely. In which way it had an influence on the way you operate, especially during the lockdown? Well, look, we, as I said, we've always been a remote team. So I've got a team in Sydney. I've got a team in uh, our US team is spread between New York and California. Uh, so yeah, we've always worked remotely and we've always been, again, very efficient about how we work. So what's happened in terms of the industry is almost the industry is caught up with us. So whereas a gallery before would expect us to come into the physical gallery space and give them an introduction and a training. Now, hey, we've got a Zoom session on Thursday and you know, we might have 10 galleries join the Zoom session. So that kind of, and that's normal for them now, whereas it wasn't normal for them a year ago. Like we haven't changed, but the, kind of the world's caught up to us in that sense. Everyone knows what a Zoom meeting looks like now. So it's, it's, you know, it's helped us grow more quickly. It's helped us communicate more easily and it actually hasn't, changed our internal kind of way of working that much so you know we use all the modern tools you know slack zoom databases uh apis you know um so we're very a uh, tech focused in our connection um and it just enables a, a small team to do a lot before going to the last part of the show is there anything you'd like to add The one takeaway for this business, and I, I talk about this to investors a lot that don't know the art world, but it's also an, uh, a strong uh, point to make for, for galleries in the industry. Um, this business is about psychology, not affordability. So what we're doing is allowing people to pay over time. But the reason paying over time is attractive, it's not because people don't have the money. You know, most of our clients, if they really wanted to buy that piece, could find the money somewhere. But nobody has to buy that. Like it's a discretionary purchase. People feel self-indulgent. They feel, feel guilty. They want to pull the trigger. And, and, and what we're doing is enabling them to get to yes. It's a deeply, it's the psychology of enablement. That's what this business is about. 
So some galleries, for example, start off and go, oh, our clients can afford it. We go, it's not about that. Yes, they can afford that. This is enables them to say yes more often. They want to do it. You know, they're not looking at a gallery or walking into an art fair or they're not engaging because they don't want to buy. They want, collectors want to buy as often as possible. And we're giving them reasons to say yes. And whether it's about cash flow or whether it's just about um, being feeling responsible or less guilty, it's all about psychology. And this is an enabling psychology. And we happen to use finance as a tool, but it's not about, look, at the margins, it, it may enable some people to, to say yes, whereas they financially couldn't do that. But for many, many people, it's about, it's about being able to say yes and feeling good about it. That's the biggest surprise, perhaps, about our business that people in the industry don't, don't realise, that this is not for people that need financing or need money or can't afford to pay it or whatever. It's not, it's not about that. It's about the enabling psychology. And, and what I found is that that psychology is the same whether someone has set their art budget at 10000 or 50000 or 100000 It's the same enabling psychology. Everyone's got a different number, a number that they're comfortable spending on art, but pulling the trigger more often and more easily is, is what we allow them to do. So jumping directly to the end of the show without transition, do you have in mind an artwork that for you reflects today's society? Yeah, well, I, I, I just recently purchased an artwork and I hadn't, I've been so busy doing the Series A and raising the capital and getting through the COVID thing and I just hadn't actually really been able to or, or focused on buying work. So... To celebrate our Series A, I bought a work um, and it was a work from an Australian artist called Paul Yore and it's called Dreaming is Free. So Dreaming is Free, it's a tapestry work. I don't normally, I, I don't think I've ever bought a tapestry work, but it, it's, it's a, tap, a text-based work. It's very colourful. Paul Yore is a, you know, he's a very political, um, you know, gay themes, sexual themes, very intense. This is This is kind of quite vanilla compared to a lot of what he does. But um, I just, it's a bit of a story about how I saw it. So I saw it, on, it's a very 21st century story. I saw it on Instagram, Australian artist, Berlin Gallery, um, went online, the price was online, all the combinations of things. Um, so I purchased it sight unseen. Um, you know, I hadn't seen the real physical work, you know, just from the Instagram and the website. But I had also seen other works from him in other contexts, in other countries, etc. So I was comfortable with, you know, having seen his work, and I was comfortable with the gallery. So, yeah, 21st century story about the process. But the work for me is dreaming is free. We need to dream big. The world today needs to dream big, I think, more than ever before. You know, we're in a tough place and dreaming is free is, is like a, a liberating kind of ideal and it's quite a colourful text work, you know, painstakingly stitched. But on the other hand, there's this double entendre because dreaming might be free, but executing on your dreams is actually come, is hard and it comes at a cost. And so there's that other side to it that, hey, we didn't get to Series A by dreaming. You know, we actually had to execute. And, you know, in the same way, Founders have to have an idea, but also do the execution. And the same way artists have to, you know, you have to have the, the idea, the concept, the vision, and then you have to do the making. You know, you need both, I think. So that was kind of like a right place, right time, right everything, visually appealing, um, great story behind the artist, you know, international kind of 
purchase for me, which reflected my international kind of moving around where I'm at the moment. So that, that was like just a really nice example that I think sort of talks about everything that's happening at the moment for me and the world. Paul, thanks a lot for being with us and giving us all those insights about the different cultural behaviors regarding art purchase. We wish you the best for 2021. Well, it's been a pleasure to, pleasure to talk to you and pleasure to sort of uh, finally connect properly. All the best. Bye, Paul. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Art Goes On. If you like what you heard, feel free to follow and share the show on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or on YouTube. Leave a rating or review to help people find the show. Thanks again.